feed your children as we stand here willing to feed from the table of love. Oh, let me drink from the fountain that flows from the mountain. Let me peace from the Father's supply. Oh, Lord, feed your children as we stand here willing to feed from the table of life. Oh, let me drink from the fountain that flows from the mountain. Let me drink from the Father's supply. There was a time in the Bible when all the world was languishing in a famine, and there was a little widow woman who would keep going back to a vessel that would keep supplying and keep supplying and keep supplying. I believe that's a type of what we have. We have something we can draw from. God bless you. I just wanted to we'll turn to the Word right away. I just want to make mention um, regarding Brother Joe Kesser. The funeral will be for him on Friday. It is, however, a graveside service, and there are more restrictions imposed, and so... It's not really maybe as open and a public a funeral, and um, they likely will do something to have a, a memorial video or something of it, but that is this Friday, so we want to remember that family. Also, this Sunday is Thanksgiving weekend, so we will do one service on Sunday morning, and that will allow you to be with your families and, and everything. And let's continue to pray for those that are in recovery. Uh, we are believing God is just going to complete the work. He's a healer. And so we thank God for that. Also nice to have some of the church back from Saskatchewan. Um, Alberta is your home province. Just remember, come back here and visit us once in a while. Now, there's, there's one brother in particular. I don't know if I can't see him, but uh, we all know who he is. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. Let's just turn in the Bible tonight. Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. We will start reading here from verse 14. Certainly have been some wonderful meetings in Saskatchewan. We say that and uh, tremendous atmosphere and we thank God for that. And uh, uh, there comes an expectation. So tonight we may not be that kind of a service but you can ask and expect and i'll tell you what it'll do something more than you might think on a wednesday <laughs> so we want to give god we don't want to put limits on god um, isaiah 59 reading from verse 14 and judgment is turned away backward and justice standeth afar off for truth is fallen in the street street and equity cannot enter, or righteousness cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, 
And he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. I, I think the hour we're living in is among the most wicked time that has ever been. And I don't know if we can truly appreciate that. I, I, I think may God help us that we don't become conditioned to the world around us. So this is the condition, this is the setting in verse 16. And he saw that there was no man, and he wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness, and it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and was clad with zeal for a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will repay recompense. Verse 19, so, they, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. Verse 21. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. And then this leads right into chapter 60, where it talks about a darkness on the earth, but a shining that would come forth. We'll leave that for today. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. Heavenly Father, we're here on a Wednesday night, and Lord, your word is laying open before us. Father, you called us all individually. You've called us by name. We're here. Lord, we're here to feed on the table the bread that you have set aside in this time. Lord, may you not withhold anything. Lord, may not our body, our tiredness, or anything in our mind, Lord, stop us from entering in, stop us from gaining that which we need. We need strength in this time. We need it for the journey that we're on. Lord, open to us revelation. I pray that you'll take the service tonight into your hands, both speaker and hearer, Lord. And Father, quicken us according to your word, according to the time and the anointing we're under, for we ask it in Jesus' Jesus' name, amen. You may have your seats. Now, I'd, I'd like to speak on the subject of the prevailing seed. I, I'm going to make this part one because I, I, I have some thoughts that I've been thinking. I have not been preaching to my wife like these other brothers have been doing to their wives. And so I, she doesn't know what my subject is, but I've been saving it for all of us. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd like to speak on the prevailing seed, but tonight I want to take this from the brink of extinction. And I'm going to also ask you, if you will, to turn to Psalms 105. Psalms 105. And I want to pick it up from verse 6. And 
We're talking about a seed, but I want to take and, and look at how God sees his seed and how he cares for his seed, and that we may have confidence that which he has started in us, he will finish. Verse 6, O ye seed of Abraham his servant, you children of Jacob his chosen, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He hath remembered his covenant forever. Forever. God is not worried about COVID. God is not worried about politicians. He's not worried about all of the thoughts that are around us. His hard drive has not crashed. He's not scrambling to get a backup. He's not doing all of these things. He's God. He always is. He always will be. He has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac. Now we're talking about Abraham and the seed of Abraham and his oath unto Isaac. And he confirmed the same unto Jacob. Now it's the seed's seed. Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Saying unto thee will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance when they were but a few men in number. And just to make the point clear, yea, very few. Almost extinct. Hardly any. Is the real Holy Ghost still here, brother? He's here. Can I be baptized and filled? You can. can I, is the Word of God the same? It is the same. Let's keep our focus on what God has promised. And he says, uh, when they were very few and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. I'm hard done by. No. God's in control. Everything that comes to us is ordained with purpose, and, and God uses the devil as a tool to perfect the trials and the things he brings on us to, for our perfection. He says, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, touch not mine anointed, do my prophets no harm. We'll just stop the reading there. Now, we're taking this thought of the prevailing seed. Now, to prevail means to influence, to be stronger than opposing forces, to overcome. If we would really look at, at the way things have gone in the last year and a half, the best laid plans of every one of us, be it the minister, be it the pastor, be it any one of us, our plans did not include for what we would have to deal with. Church closers, um, masking, distancing, sanitizing, uh, all of the fears that go with it. We didn't expect that. 
We didn't even expect that within the last month we would close down church for a couple of weeks. We did not expect those things. And we look, sometimes it's almost like it's beyond our control. But it's not beyond God's control. And God knows all that everyone has gone through, all that everyone has suffered. God would even go as far as, as allowing it to go so far. And then he would draw the line and say, no more. We can talk about everything that was terrible. We can talk about everything that was there. But I think we also need to talk about what God has done and what God is doing. Brother Brandon, nice to see you here. Brother Brandon shared a little testimony with us, and I'm not going to do this justice, and I don't have the time to do it, but Brother Brandon works in a nursing home. He's seen COVID. He has seen situations. I believe the one man that you saw as a patient, and you can correct me on any of this, I'm just going by memory. I was trying to find it, Brother Ray, on my phone when you were, you were looking, because I saw him there and I thought of it. But he said he saw one man who had it, and I believe he had to get a lung transplant, and now he's going to live with half a lung for the, for the rest of his life because of what he's dealt with. There was another one who has now gone into a severe asthmatic condition, I think. There was others that have gone to death. There's been churches in their neighborhood that have ignored everything and have had huge outbreaks and had severe things. And you could talk about all the terrible things that have happened. We ought to thank God for everything that He has kept us from. Not everything that came against us, but everything that He's kept us from. And the Bible would tell us, you know, that, that the devil would come. He would, he, would, he would try and do everything he can, but he would not prevail. He will not be able to prevail over us. Because God has appointed a seed in this last day. So it's not in ourselves, it's not that we are stronger people, but it's that we have God and we have a seed within us. And God has given us his word as a seed, and, and he makes his seed real. He sends an anointing in every age. He sent it in, 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 the, in the first age when, when, when man was dealing with the uh, persecution of, of Rome, naturally speaking, and, and he sent it. But there was a boldness that empowered them. And, it, and, and though they were, were cast out, they went everywhere preaching the gospel. It was God's program. It was in the dark ages when it looked like the seed would be snuffed out, when it would be down to nothing, when it would be literally pound in the ground, and you'd say, how can God do anything with this? But out of that arose a little, a little sprig called Huss, and out of Huss rose a Luther, and out of Luther rose a Wesley, and out of that the church rose to a level till we came to this last age. God is always watching over his seed. He has never left us defenseless. Now we know we're living in the most wicked because as it was in the dark ages, even Brother Branham would look in 19 and say he could not see beyond 1977. That's how dark it became. And we're living in the middle of that. Now, history shows that the devil will always, the spirit of the enemy, will always persecute the spirit of God. Yeah. And the vessel that's holding the spirit of God, when Jesus was on earth, it was the enemy 
that was against Christ. When the disciples, when Christ left, the disciples who were around Christ and then had that spirit come back in them, they became the targets for the enemy. And all those disciples, I believe only one of them died a natural death. It was maybe in a more realistic term, Brother Branham, who one time he was having a prayer line, and as he was praying, there was another brother praying with him, and the brother said to Brother Branham and said, I'm sorry, but when you were praying, I, I just suddenly got all these evil thoughts and all these things came my way. And he says, don't worry. Those were just meant for me. You got in the way. Now, you don't think that we're beset around us? I, I, I want to I say something. And I don't want you to take this wrong. Relax. It's not going to get better. Don't expect things to go back to the way they were. The world is not going to get better. The conditions that we are going to operate around will not get better. Now, we might be able to have services, but I'll tell you, the pressures will increase around us. Now, I'm, I'm partly setting this up for Sunday, and I, I have some thoughts for that, but I, I want you to be prepared and say, okay, I'm here, I'm going to deal with it because the God that I serve is greater than the enemy that's out there. And the God that's in me is greater than any circumstance, than any condition in my life. God knows how to bring his people out. God knows exactly how to, to make it work for his, our good. Now, at, sometimes we, we can live in this cycle of, Oh, I can't wait till this is over. And, and we get back up on a high. But I, I think we need to condition ourselves. Now, we're going to have nervousness around us. We're going to have a verge going insane, a world going insane around us. We're going to deal with people that are insane around us. And we can choose to follow in the same path that they go in, or we can say, no, I have a source I go to. I have a Bible I'm going to read in the morning. I have a prayer life I'm going to have. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to support. I'm going to help. But I am not going to bow down to the conditions that are around me because that which is in me is greater than that which is around me. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 you don't have to turn to it. It said there is no temptation that has taken you but such as is common to man. In other words whatever you've read in history whatever you've seen the worst temptations, the worst deaths, the worst anything, whatever is out there, man has experienced it somewhere. You can focus on those things, but let's take the next verse. But God is faithful. Amen. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But he will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Now I, I would say, I'm going to keep that 
with me. I had to breathe it out the other day, and somebody said, uh, how are you doing? I said, I don't know. God knows how much I can take. And if I can't take it, he, God, God will make sure that he'll stop it. And sometimes we, we, we just, we take that according to our flesh. You know, we're living in the weakest age according to the flesh that's ever been. Laodicea is the most undisciplined. They're wiser, but they're weaker. There's no character. There's no ruggedness. There's no strength. But I believe the seed that we're a part of has those attributes. And they will come out in the time and the season that we need them to come out. Now, I, 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 I'm going to just take this. I don't want to preach from Genesis to Revelation, so I'll start with Revelation. How's that sound? Let's go to Revelations 12. <coughs> Revelations 12. I'll read a little bit of this. I, I labeled this part one because that way I'm not going to rush myself. I'm going to feel comfortable to preach what I need to do today. And then we will take this further as, as God would lead us. So you pull whatever God wants to have, that's what we'll take. Revelations chapter 12, verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Now, Brother Branham would say that woman refers to the church, the Orthodox Church. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Now, this is, this is it talks about the, there appeared a great woman in heaven, a woman clothed with sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown. So this is all symbolic. And so you can't just take this chronolo chronologically or according to one time frame or something. This represented the church. But then it talks about a child, and he says, giving birth. And now, now it says in verse 3, now it says, There appeared another wonder in heaven, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. So this actually happened long before the woman. But this is... It all had to play out in time somewhere. But it's, it shows that when this woman appeared, when this child came, Satan also appeared. And Satan also desired. Because he's always desired what God is doing. Do you ever wonder why you have so many troubles? Do you ever wonder when you do good that suddenly everything goes wrong? Because the enemy is watching us. Don't get discouraged. Don't, don't beat yourself up when you, when you get all these things. Come and say, Lord, I stumbled, I fell. But that enemy, I'll, I'll, I'll just stop, go on my knees, say I'm sorry. I'm going to repent and I want to change my ways. And the minute I repent, all that the enemy laid on me, that comes off of me by the blood of Jesus and it goes back on him, the accuser, and he will bear the punishment of it in a, in a burning pit one day. And I'm going to take a ringside seat. Because he has come at me so many ways. But I'll say, it's all on him. It's not staying on me. The blood of Jesus Christ separates me. 
So his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, verse 4, did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled unto the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God that they should, they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days, three and a half years. I, 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 I could make more comments, but I want to move because I can see my time will get away on me quickly. Verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. This is good because our subject is the prevailing seed. The next verse says, and they prevailed not. <laughs> they, they, they couldn't overcome that. Did you know that believers actually possess the same spirit that Michael and his angels had? Believers are a part of that same spirit. Brother Branham would actually say so. I believe that you're, you're, you're possessed of something that they had when they resisted the enemy and his lie. There was something, I, I was just talking with a brother the other day. I, I said, even when I was in the world, there was something that was working in me subconsciously. Yes, I was raised in a message home. Yes, I did this. Yes, I went out into the world. But there was something in me, even when I was in the world, whenever I saw a, a woman cut her hair, it grieved me. I never enjoyed having a, seeing a woman with really short hair. And it still grieves me this day. And, and there's other things that I could point to. I mean, nonetheless, I was in things. But there was always a part of me that I didn't know subconsciously. And, and God doesn't deal with us intellectually. He deals with our spirit, our subconscious level. And sometimes that's the part that pulls us before our head catches up. Oh, thank God for that. Because our head is no good. It's just gray matter anyway. You know what gray matter is? It's part light, it's part dark, and it's neither. It's just gray. So it's, it's, it's not really good for, for a lot, but you know, God uses it. Nonetheless, let's move on. He would say, now, they prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, I, I'm going to leave the last, last part of this because I need to, to move along. I'm going to pick it up again on Sunday. Now, I, I'm going to back up. I've, I've covered Revelations. Let's go back to Genesis. <laughs> in, in the beginning, in Genesis, God said, let there be light. Now, Brother Bannon would say, that may have been hundreds of years before it ever happened. And if we were bystanders, we would have looked there and said, okay, he said, let there be light. How come nothing's happening? And, 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 you, and you might even get nervous. Okay, can't God keep his word? Can, can he bring light? Can he do those things? No. If God said it, it will happen. We don't know the time. We don't know the season. Now, Brother Bannon would also then go and he would describe, you can go into questions and answers. I, I could bring up quotes, but I'm going to save all of that. And he would talk about, let's watch 
over the handrail of time. And up there we see now out from the unseen God comes this little logos, this light. And this light, like a, a light playing before the Father's throne, it's there. And out of that light there begins to be creation. And he says, and, and out of that came, uh, you know, there was a big rock or a clinker. And he says a clinker would fall. And it would fall maybe hundreds of years and thousands of years. And it would just look like it was going into oblivion. And then God would stop it. And that was a planet. And then it would happen again and God would stop it. And, and Brother Adam would go and it seemed like here's the earth. It's all rough. It's all jagged. And, and here's the Spirit of God. It, 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 it formed the Grand Canyon. He said, I can see it. It's forming the Grand Canyon right there. And he's, he's describing it. I don't know what he saw. But, but I, you know, he's, he's describing creation. And, and it looked like it was out of control, and it was this, and the world calls it a big bang, but it was very controlled. Because when it was finished, we still have planets that orbit. We still have stars that, that reflect the zodiac and God's Bible. God has it in control. He still has it in control. So then Genesis 1, verse 1. <coughs> in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, you could just stop there for a minute. That could have happened, you know, because they talk about dating and, and saying, you know, and they say, we have, it proves it's two million years old. Well, God, this verse could have taken two million, two billion years to evolve. But God created it. Verse 2. And he says, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. So, the earth was in a negative condition. It was without form, without, it was void. It was dark. You know, darkness doesn't simplify it, it's something positive. And, and God allows this negative condition to exist to express his attributes. So he takes this, and now the next verse says, and the Spirit of, sorry, the latter part of that verse, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. Now think about the Holy Spirit and the presence of God and how it can be so sweet and it can be so humble and it can be, you know, so, so, there's nothing like it. And God allows that spirit to move and brood over a dark earth. And Brother Branham, and he'd say, why was he doing that? Because there were seeds in there. There were seeds in the earth that God won. So it was with a purpose. Why did God brood over your earth and your place when you were in sin, when you didn't even care for God, when you were running a hundred miles, when you were thinking all kinds of thoughts, when you were doing all kinds of things, but the Spirit of God brooded over you? Why? Because you were a good guy and you were a good gal. No, there was a seed of God there. He was wanting to bring it out. He wanted you to know it was there. <coughs> so this very God, he will allow those things. He, he, would, he, would, he would bring this up, out to, to... He's a God of the mechanics and the dynamics. Now, before God ever said a word... He allowed his spirit to move. Before you actually ever get anything from God, you actually need to be in the spirit. You need to be in a place where, where God can 
allow it to penetrate. This, is, this may be very simple in a respect, but I, I am more convinced than ever. We've had a number of funerals, a number of passings. And as I've been talking with families and with brethren and going back to life, life's history, I, I'm convinced, I'm convinced, if you don't have the three stages of the birth, you're not going to be there. You, you can have justification. You can understand the message. You can do all those things. You can be sanctified. You can do a pretty good thing. But until you have the Holy Ghost, and if I'm going to preach anything, I'm going to preach that you all need the Holy Ghost. We all need it. Let's not sell our shelves short. Let's not just be mechanical. You need to know that something changed when you come to your deathbed, that you're ready to meet him. That you said, I know that you met me. I know I'm your son. I know, I know, and I know. If, if, if we go on that tangent for some services or some time, it's a burden of my heart. Let's not take anything for granted. That was just a side thing. It wasn't my notes today. <coughs> so before the Spirit ever moved, before God ever said a word, the Spirit had to move rather. Then God said, let there be light. So <coughs> I need to move along quickly here. We know Eden came. We know that here was the Son of God and his wife, Adam, wasn't known as Adam, but he was known as the man. He was all God. He had the attributes of God. He had eternal life. The woman that he drew from the man was bone of his bone. And in the midst of all of this, God having this perfect creation, he, we just read in, in, in Revelations where up in Revelations uh, here in heaven, Here's God and all the angels, and then the brightest of all the angels, almost equal to God, except he couldn't create. God allowed that angel in heaven to be beside him, his right-hand man, knowing he would deceive the other angels. And then he allowed that angel to come down to earth where his son, his seed, and where his daughter or, and, and, and his wife were. He allowed that, that demonic being to be here in that perfect garden. Now, God, to show God's greatness, to show his characteristics of a savior... And to think about it that the angels will hear us singing amazing grace. And I'm not just saying it as a recital, but with, with hands up and weeping. And they won't know what we're talking about. But in order for God to express this attribute as a savior, in order for God to be this healer, in order for God to, to, to be a deliverer and a comforter, in order for these attributes, there had to be a negative situation. And, and, and in order for this to be, because we're not robots. We're free moral agents. And, 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 and how in the middle of you know, how can you in the middle of the world you're in and reveling in sin and doing things suddenly stop 
wonder where it's all going to, and turn around and leave everything to go and find God. That's because there was a call of God. God reached down into bar rooms and into our complexes and into our beat up lives and God pulls one here and he pulls one there and he pulls one there because he's God and because he watches over his seed and he will not be defeated. So here in this, and we had this discussion just a little bit yesterday, you know, Adam and Eve really were in eternity. How long did they live in Eden? I don't know. It, it, it could have been a few days. It could have been a few months. It could have been 10 years, 100 years. It was eternity. And, and they, they had no reason to die. How many times did the tempter come through that being of a serpent that was almost better looking than Adam? How many times... Brother Man says he, he may have come to her hundreds of times, I think is the word he used. Thousands. To wear her down. I, 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 I'm going to just inject something here. I've just watched the enemy in, in the time we live in. And it's not so much the, the disease is real, COVID's real, it affects different ones differently, but the fear associated with it is what he preys on. And the nervousness that comes, and whatever way we're weak, if we're not careful, he's there to do the same thing to us that he did to Eve. He's there to draw you out from protection. He's there to draw you out. I, I can't stand this. I'm not going to do it. And if, you're, if your nature is to be a rebel, he'll draw that nature out of you. If your nature is to succumb and just, oh, I'll, I'll bow to whatever they say, he'll work on that level with you. Yeah. He will work on you. He, and he'll, listen, I, I am, I'm not saying I, I'm perfect. I, I have found myself saying things out of stress that I shouldn't have said. I've gotten upset at people. I, I've gotten, and I'm thinking, Lord, I, I don't want to act like that. I want to be a Christian. I want to talk like a Christian. I don't want to be quivering in fear about what's coming. I, I want to walk forward knowing you walk with me. I want a daily walk with you. I want to have fellowship with you. I don't want to, to react uh, like the rest of the world is reacting. And I'm telling you, it's possible that we can live in Christ. That we can live in such a way that the devil doesn't know what to do with us. He doesn't know. He'll push this button. He'll push that button. And we don't respond. You know how you defeat the... I, I love that. I, I listened a little bit to Brother Dwayne's service. And he hit a point there that was so wonderful. He says... Uh, uh, Wayne Lawson was just preaching last weekend. And he hit a point there. You know how you beat up the devil? You ignore him. No, Christ defeated you. I don't need to fight you anymore. And you know, that's, that's, that's the biggest insult to him because he wants to draw you into a fight. He says, listen, the blood of Jesus Christ saved me. Don't even argue with him. God's already won the victory over you. I'm already raised from the dead. I'm already his. We don't need to enter into the world he wants you to enter into. Don't be afraid of what's out there. Well, I got children. I got this. God knows we are here. He knew we would be in this world, but he knew we weren't of this world. And he said, I will keep them. Yeah. 
that you have given me. John 17. Now, that was our time, my. God would not allow anything to happen unless he had a plan. (laughs) Four Hebrew children, three Hebrew children rather, one day would not bow to the image. And the king, he allowed the king to get upset. He allowed the king to to make the furnace seven times hotter. He allowed the king to bind them up to do this. He allowed the king to bring them right up to the point where the men that were holding those three Hebrew children captive, they burned up. He allowed them to go virtually to feel the heat, the, the everything, but he allowed them right into the fire before he came on the scene. He's never too late. The same one that formed the earth is the same one that's here now. He knows where we're at. He knows what we're going through. He will not leave us. He will never leave his seed. Now, so he's never without a plan. Genesis 4. Here the devil has... Uh, let's, I need to read Revelation. Sorry, Genesis 3, just quickly. I need to read that. This really is a foundational scripture for where we're at here. And so after, after the enemy had finally seduced Eve, the serpent, now verse 14, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, because you've done this, you are cursed above all the cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. So he addresses the accuser. Now in verse 15, he says this, I will put to the woman, I will put, em, or he actually is addressing it to, to the devil, but he's saying this, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Now that's kind of the woman. Yeah, she's the receptor. The woman and between thy seed and her seed. Now a woman doesn't have seed. Except that she has a, a mate or a husband to give her seed. And it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now that forever shows if I'm bruised... You know the good thing is? It's on my heel. <laughs> it's not on my head. If, if I'm hurting and I'm bruised, imagine how badly the devil is beat up. Because it's promised that he'll always be under my heel. And whenever you start using those joy shoes that Brother Max brings to a service, and whenever you start doing those things, you're dancing on the feet of the devil. You're, 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 whatever battle you're in, you're promised to come out better. The seed will always prevail. Now, I'm going to do this like Brother Bradham would do it, which is he'd make some points and then he'd use some examples. So I need to use some examples. So the first thing we find in Genesis chapter 4, and I'm not going to go through the whole Bible, don't worry about it, uh, but in Genesis 4, there's two boys. And, and the two boys, one is, uh, is, is of the seed of Adam and Eve, and the other is the seed of the serpent and Eve. So it's just like it will be in the end time. Brother Bannon would say, right down to the end time, what happened there, it said, it'll be twins. And it'll be, it'll, it'll be the same movement. It'll be the same womb. 
But it'll be two different fathers. Two different seeds. So don't get worried. You don't have to worry about what that other seed is. As long as you got the seed of God, you will prevail. You won't, you won't be defeated. God will never let his seed be defeated. But we also need to be wary and understand. And, and, and the prophet would say, if we can recognize... You know, if we can recognize and, and, and discern and withstand, then we will be an invincible army. Now, I, that, that's too much for today. I'm not going to go there, but I need to make some points here. So, the fact that here, here's these two brothers, and you watch. The, the natural always persecutes the spiritual. The, the, the other seed always persecutes the righteous seed. And we see that happen. Cain's talking with Abel in the field. I'm not going to go into this tonight. But he, he rises, he, he slays him, and it looks like it's dead, it's over, it's extinct. How, how can God go on with this anymore? And then, in verse 25, and Adam knew his son again, and she bare a son, and she called his name Seth, for God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to whom also was born a son, and he called his name Enos, and then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. So God always has a seed. Now, I am, I'm going to just, I don't want to rush. I want to just take my time with a few things here. Go with me to Psalms 105 for a moment. We briefly touched on the covenant that God made with Abraham. And how it was to the seed of Abraham. And Psalms 105 talked about Isaac, talked about Jacob, talked about how they went into a land. But let's just drop down to verse 16 because it was the fourth generation. And, and it, was, it was when Joseph came, and that was the next out of all of this. Let's just read this verse 16. Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. And he brake the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. Now, I, I, I need to really get the context of this before I read the next verse. So, God promised Abraham that your seed, you know, and, 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 and just think about this. He promised them that you'll have a seed. He allowed Abraham, and he told him to be by Sarah. He allowed them to be barren. Finally, he allowed Isaac to come. And finally, when Isaac was of a certain year, he tells him, go up and kill him. Now, Abraham had a faith that he knew Isaac was promised. He knew no matter what would happen. He knew no matter what he'd go through. God had promised him this. And his faith began to display himself. And he said to the servants at the base of Mount Moriah. He said you wait here and the lad and I will return. Now I don't know what he told Sarah that morning. Maybe he didn't tell her anything. I'm just going out. A trip with Joseph. Or a trip with Isaac. Sorry. And and and. And he went. But, but here is God now, years down the road. Here has been Abraham. Here is now Isaac. Here is Jacob. Here is his sons. They're in the, they're, 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 they're in the land of, of Canaan. And all of a sudden, out of this, there comes a famine. And this famine is so bitter, it's on all the earth. 
Now, just think about this. COVID is in all the earth. It's in Russia, it's in China, it's in the U.S., it's, it's everywhere. And, and churches around the world, it's everywhere. But God is everywhere too. God is the same today. And so it's everywhere. There's this famine, and it, it's so bad, it comes down to Abraham's seed. Jacob's there with his sons, and they're in the tent, and they're, they're in all. And they go, we don't have anything left, we're not going to make it. We hear that there's, there's something in Egypt. Go to Egypt. Now, the backdrop to the story is years ago, the brothers hated Joseph. They sold him. They, they put, you know, if I was God, I, I could have just made rain to fall right where Jacob and his sons were. But God is a God who wants to show his attributes. And he wants to indwell in human beings. So to just have rain come and have external forces come on us, that isn't who God is. The world's looking for a Messiah. They'll find their Messiah in Rome. But we're not looking for a Messiah. We have our Messiah. He's in us. His word is in us. And his word will speak in the hour it needs to speak. So God is showing his characteristics. He could have had, he could have had uh, all kinds of solutions to the famine. But his solution was, I'm going to have one son who's a little bit more spiritual. He's going to type Christ. And he's going to be hated of his brethren. He's going to be sold into captivity. He's going to go into the house of Potiphar. He's going to be a slave there. But he's going to prosper wherever he goes. Because within him is the characteristic of the seed. And he comes and he's, now he's told a lie. He goes down to prison. He's in prison. And where he's in prison, he prospers. Joseph was 13 years old when he was sold. He was 17 years. I think that's the way it is. 17 years until he was called to Pharaoh's court one day. And here everything's going good. Now, it looked like Abraham's seed was going to be extinct. But God had a man. God had a man who had not only endured hatred, had gone through bitterness, was falsely accused, had everything thrown at him, but God's seed in that man prevailed. Christ came to earth. He didn't open his mouth. He didn't when the accuser shut him because he had a purpose and in him was going to be the way of salvation for us right to Laodicea. Now, God could have sent all kinds of deliverances, but if, if Christ would have sinned or would have taken his own way and not allowed made a way for us, where would we be today? The devil has no hold because we've been bought by Christ. We, there's a bloodline, and that bloodline speaks for us. So God's program was to dwell in human flesh, and out of human flesh, his seed was going to display attributes. So the Bible would say in verse 19, here Joseph was in hurt, he was in fetters, until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. My, do you feel like we've been tried as a church a little bit lately? Thank God for it. We're learning to trust him more. Who knows what's coming? But we know one thing, the same God that was there in creation, that was there over Abraham's seed, that was there throughout all of this, is our God today. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. 
And it said, until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. They made him lord of his substance and the lord of his house and ruler of all his substance to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his senators. Now, this is always, always marvelous to me. Here, God had to so work on Joseph, so establish a character. And now, can you imagine the day? Joseph is there. He's the governor. He's, his people are coming from all over the world. There's maybe a couple of years of famine. There's another five, five years to go. And all of a sudden, he sees his 11 brothers, or his 10 brothers at that time, I guess, 10 brothers that had beaten him, that had done all these things to him. And you know what? He had his opportunity. If, if he was still a carnal man. If he was of the natural seed of Jacob only, yeah, that's what he would have done. But his seed was not that. It was a greater seed. It was a type of Christ. And that seed, when his brothers came, yeah, he treated them a little roughly. (laughs) But he also wanted them to come to where he was. And, you know, I always marvel at this part, and I'm going to get into this in just a minute here. If you actually look, when Joseph was sold into slavery... Judah was the one, they were going to kill him. It was Judah that made the suggestion to let him go and be sold to slaves. At the end, when the brother, when Joseph was ready to treat them slowly, and then they, they, he set them up with Benjamin and the cup and the sack, you know who interceded at that time? It was Judah. Now just go quickly, Brother Mark, to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. Now, every word of God. Does God watch over his word? Absolutely. He watches over every word. Genesis 49. In Genesis 49, this is when when, uh, Jacob is... uh, I I maybe didn't give you this. Verses 8 to 12, but I'm not going to read all of it. This is when... uh, uh, Jacob is giving a blessing to all his sons, but he, he, he uses this and he says in, you, you could read verse 8, Judah, you know, you are such and such. Judah was the fourth son. There was Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. And, and now here in verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver come between his, from his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. So, so there was something God had in his mind from before the foundation of the earth. The fourth generation of Abraham would come out. The fourth generation, the fourth son of Abraham was Judah. There was something attributed to him. It was of the seed and lineage out of which Christ would come. Now, God watches over his natural seed. He watches over his spiritual seed. So, jump with me to Genesis chapter 38. I said I'm not going to rush. I'm slowing down. Back to Genesis chapter 38. Now, I want you to look at this again for the mim- minute, a minute because God, it's sometimes it looks like and, and I don't know, maybe you feel that way. There, there's a quote out of God called, man, I can never get away from. He said, God is training a people right now. And he said, God is training a people. And it says, sometimes it looks like the whole thing is falling around them. But yet they know their God and they keep moving on. I, I don't know what's going to happen around us. But I think we just got to stay focused on what God wants for us. 
And, and there's going to be things you got to say, this that's in me will stand when all of Laodicea crumbles. This that's in me will be taken up before they ever lay a hold of me because it's God's promise. I think that's what we need to focus on. Now, I want you to take this. Now, this is of the lineage of Judah out of which Christ should come. Now, you, you find a story here. It starts in verse 1. I'm not going to read it, read it all, but Judah, he, he meets a certain woman, uh, and, and he goes into her, and, and he has three sons. One's called Ur, one's called Onan, and one's called Shelah. And so the first son, he, uh, he was wicked, and the Lord slew him. The second son now has to perform the duty to raise up seed because this is a natural lineage God is walking over, watching over. And so he, he goes in, but he doesn't allow the seed to penetrate. So, and God was displeased, and he killed him also. Now, Judah has lost his first son. He's lost his second son. He has a third son. And this woman that is supposed to raise up seed, her name is Tamar, and she's due to have the third son. That's the program of God, to save seed. So this Tamar, she's there. Now, Judah, as, as much as God promised, he was a procrastinator. He also was fearful. Maybe he said, I don't want to lose another son. And so times passed. He didn't do anything. And, and, and now God, he could, have, he could have just slapped Judah around. He says, give the son to him. But he didn't do it that way. Now look at, God is never going to lose. And, and this example is in the Bible for a reason. So in verse 8, and Judah said to Onan, uh, okay, this is the one that, that didn't, verse 10, sorry. So after Onan didn't give seed, he says, verse 10, the thing which he did displeased the Lord, therefore he slew him. And then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, remain a widow at thy father's house till Shelah, my son, be grown. Peradventure he die also like his brethren did. And Tamar went there. And she waited. And she waited. And she waited. Now, in the Old Testament, it was natural for a woman to want to have a son. But what began to happen in Tamar was greater than just the, that of a natural woman. And she began to move in ways that are almost incredulous to the human mind. Could, could, but, but yet God did it because this very thing that we're speaking of here, years later, God speaks to Matthew and he says, Matthew, I want you to write the lineage from Abraham to, to, uh, to, to the going into Babylon, to this, to this. And he says, now you write this lineage. And he says, and such and such begat, such and such begat, such and such. And now I want you to include the story of Tamar. And Matthew's going, that woman, she, was, she committed an incestuous act. No, write it in there. And not only that, he wrote other women. Now I'm just looking, what's God focused on? The seed. So here's Tamar, she comes, she dwells in her father's house, verse 12, in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. Judah was comforted. He went up with his sheep shears to Timnath, and he and his friend Hira, the Abdulite. And it was told Tamar, saying, behold, thy father-in-law goes to Timnath to shear his sheep. And she put off her widow's garment, she covered herself with a veil, she sat in an open place on the way to Timnath, she was actually dressed like a harlot. And he says, for she saw that Sheila was 
grown and she was not given him to wife. And Judah thought, saw her and thought her to be a harlot because she covered her face. And he went in and had relations with her. She asked him for his, his pledge. He says, what is it? Give me your signet and, and give me your staff. She does that. She leaves, etc., etc. Et and over time, everything goes on. Looks like nothing's happened. But something drove this woman. And really, that act of incestuous would have been death except for one thing. She had the seed of Judah in her. Now, do you think God watches over us? Look, the, the seed would have died, but God moved on a woman to watch over that seed. You know why Jacob was, was, was so loved by God, despite all of his outside? He loved the birthright. You know what God loves in a church? Not somebody who is just mechanical and religious, but one that loves God, that cares for his things, that wants God to have his way in his heart. That's the God, that's the God I want to serve. Cast aside the world. Lay it all there. Don't care for Laodicea. Don't care for its fineries. I want God. I want the living God, the real God. Give me that God. Listen, let's get to that place. <coughs> so, just drop down to verse. Finally, the story comes, Tamar's pregnant. What? She played the part of a harlot. Verse 25, when she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law, said, you want to know how I got pregnant? The man whose child I'm carrying, this is his staff, this is his signet. And Judah stands there with his mouth open. And he could have said, what did you do to me? No, he suddenly recognized what he failed to do. And he says in verse 26, she has been more righteous than I because that I gave her not to Sheila, my son, and he knew her again no more. Now, it looked like that seed line was extinct, but God, out of that, from the brink, he used that. How many times in our lives does it look like I've come this far, it looks like there's no way out, it looks like it's black, it looks like it's extinct, but God makes a way. David was the king. Saul was the king, but David was anointed the king. Saul thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of him. I'm going to give him my daughter. And on their honeymoon night, I'm going to go in. And when he's laying beside her, that's it. He's done. But a woman, his own daughter, Saul's own daughter, Michael, she told David, there's a trap set. And he was gone. It looked like it was extinct. David, he'd killed Goliath, and now all of a sudden he's caught by the Philistines in front of the king, and they, they all tell him, this is the guy that killed Goliath. It looked like David was done. You know what David did? He's before the king, and he goes, <laughs> he acted like a crazy man. <laughs> he's like, that's the program of God. Yeah, that's the program of God. Yeah. It, and then the king says, this guy killed Goliath? He's a crazy guy. Get him out of here. 
<laughs> if they only would have known. You know, one of the, one of the, one of, one of the amazing stories of World War I was this British shoulder, soldier. You know, if, if the devil only knew that, you know, when he was going to kill all the seed of Bethlehem, that he was fulfilling the scripture that Jesus would go to Egypt and out of, out of Egypt I've raised my son, called my son. One of the amazing stories out of World War I was this British soldier was fighting in the trenches and it was foggy and he's come to the end and he sees this German soldier come and this German soldier comes and, and he's beaten, he's bruised and he's, he's about ready to blow him up and he suddenly stops and has compassion and he lets him go. You know who that soldier was? Adolf Hitler. Wow. What did he do? <laughs> well, the devil also has made many a mistake. Because he's pushed us into situations only to have God come out. Listen, I'm going to finish with one more scripture. So can you stay with me on this? 2 Kings chapter 8. 2 Kings chapter 8. And we'll close with this. Now, this is the seed of Judah again, and if, if we read verses 8 to verses 25, in the 12th year of Joram, the son of Ahab, the king of Israel, did Ahazai, the son of Joram, the king of Judah, begin to reign. So Israel was 10 tribes of Israel, two tribes of Judah. So the king of Judah was Ahazai. Two and twenty years old was Ahiza when he began to reign. He reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athilah, the daughter of Omri, the king of Israel. And he walked in the way of the house of Ahab and did evil in the sight of the Lord, as did the house of Ahab, for he was the son-in-law of the house of Ahab. So he didn't have a very good lineage. Let's just jump over. You can read um, Jehu is anointed king in the next verse by Elisha the prophet. And, and then he slays the 70 sons of, of Ahab. But now we go down to verse 10. That's, that's actually, sorry, chapter 10 where it happens. Now in verse 11, in the process of time, Ahazi is killed. And this mother-in-law, uh, or this mother, sorry, the mother of Ahazi Verse 1, chapter 11, verse 1. And when Ahithila, the mother of Azai, saw that her son was dead, she arose and she destroyed all the seed royal. It was in her heart to kill everyone. Now it looked like the seed of Judah had gone through a lot of things. Look, look at what it brought, what Christ, the seed of Christ had to come through. Look at what you're going through. Did Christ come? He came. Are you going to come? You're going to come. You're going to be there. The same God is watching over us. So in the middle of all of that, she's killing them all. And there's this woman there. She's a nurse. And she's going, she's killing everybody. I'm watching over this little baby. And she runs out the door. Verse 2. And when Jehoshua, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahiza, and, and took Joash, the son of Ahazai, and, and she stole him from the king's sons which were slain, and they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the bedchamber from Athila, that he was not slain, and he was with her, hid in the house of the Lord six years, while this Athila, who destroyed all the king's sons, reigned in the land. Six years. But in the seventh year, 
<laughs> in the seventh year. <laughs> Verse 4. In the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and fetched the rulers over hundreds and captains over the guard. And they made a covenant and they took an oath. And, 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 and he, I won't read all of this, but you can read from verse 4 down to verse 11. They set everything in order. A third part of this. A third part of this. They set all of these things. They set it all in place. This came not by coincidence. This was by design. God setting forth the coming seed again. Verse 11. And the guard stood, every man with his weapons in his hand, round about the king, from the right corner to the temple, to the left corner of the temple, along the altar in the temple. Verse 12. And he brought forth the king's son. The seed that was hidden all these years came forth. And they put a crown on him. And they gave him the testimony. And they made him king. And they anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, God save the king. About this time, Athila, the wicked queen, hears all this noise. What's going on here? What's going on here? And, and, and she comes in the room and verse, she looks at it all. And in verse 13, she sees everything going on and the, all the princes, the, the trumpeters and the musicians and, and the land rejoicing. And she cries, treason, treason. No, <laughs> you're the one. And they, they all went in to, to kill her. And then one, one of the priests said, don't kill her in the house of the Lord. Take her outside. <laughs> Listen, the great whore of Revelation 17 has got something coming to her too. I'll tell you, we're in the seventh age. The seed of God is coming into position. It's coming into authority. God is watching over his seed. No matter how black it looks. Musicians, you come. I said I was going to quit. So no matter how black it looks, no matter what the devil tells you, you keep your confidence in one thing. The God of the Bible that watched over the natural seed is watching over the seed that's in us. No matter what they do. Brother Tim... Nunweiler sent me this quote. I couldn't help but think of it as I was doing this. There's some other quotes I wanted to share, but let me read this one in closing. Christ, the mystery of God revealed. His church stands alone. She's not hooked with nothing. But he was identified by God, being the, God, the, the body that God dwelt in. The church is identified by his body. How is that? We're his seed. We're carrying his seed. And she stands alone. She is his body, the manifested truth of the promised word. She is alone. She stands by it. That's why the devil is howling. These great organizations, they're to set up something to close her up. You think it's, it's, it's Trudeau that's doing this? No, there's another spirit behind all of this. Do you think it's our premier that's behind this that wants to close us up? No, it's not that. They're setting up something to close her up. I think this is just a dry run. Don't get upset at what they're doing. This is a dry run. Wait till the real one comes. That's when, you're, that's when God's going to come on the scene. Listen, they're doing something to close her up. Next verse, next sentence. They'll never do it. <laughs> They'll never do it. She'll be taken up, not closed up. <laughs> She is now risen by the power of the vindicated word promised to her. Amen. 
The bride holds that promise. Let's stand together. That was a Wednesday night service, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the Word of God. God bless you. <laughs> well, I don't know what we're going to sing. Greater is He that is in me. How's that sound? You ought to just testify. Just remember what I said in the beginning. It's not going to get better. It's not going to go back to just the way it was. Sure, we might have meetings. We might do all those things. But I'll tell you what. There'll be more pressure in your workplace. They're going to try and push you to take this, to take that, to conform to this. Keep your eyes on the one thing. Satan's, Satan's like a roaring lion roaming to and fro seeking whom he may devour the Bible tells us so many souls have Yeah.